Hello, and welcome to the Read Together podcast. I'm Ann Jolly, and I'm a member at the Gardendale Mount Vernon United Methodist Church. I'm also the lay leader for the Central District. The scripture we'll focus on in today's podcast features a familiar and favorite psalm, Psalm 19. Take a minute to open your Bible to that psalm if you're in a place where you can do that. Whenever I talk about a psalm, I remember an experience that shaped my approach to the psalms. After 20 years of teaching 5th and 6th graders in Sunday school, we moved to a new city and a new church. I was invited to be a teacher for the adult class there, and I remember thinking, teach adults? How hard can that be? They sit still and listen. Well, it was hard, all right. I felt more successful keeping up energy and participation in the class when I was teaching about events in the lives of Bible people. Then it came time to teach from one of the Psalms. I could not seem to get a handle on it, so I turned to one of the wisest and most experienced Bible teachers I knew, my mother, who at that time was age 90. I remember saying, Mother, I can't wrap my head around how to teach this psalm. What should I do? She thought a moment and then said gently, Honey, you don't focus on teaching a psalm. You feel a psalm. Well, that advice really carries over with Psalm 19 as much as any psalm I've ever taught. While the scripture for today actually focuses our attention on the last half of the psalm, To set the stage for these verses, let's start with the first six verses. Psalm 19, a psalm written by David, begins with the familiar verses. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words, it's the end of the world. In the heavens, God pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. What is the most beautiful and breathtaking view of creation that you've ever seen? Go outside on some clear night and just stare at the sky for several minutes. Just soak in the grandeur and beauty of the heavens and feel the feelings of wonder and joy that it inspires. When I was a child, I loved to go outside on a clear night and just stare at the sky. I used to wonder if those twinkling stars were sending me a message. The moon seemed enormous. I was awed by the work that God had accomplished. What a story the universe tells about God. We see only about 5,000 stars with our naked eyes, but God created billions of galaxies, each containing billions of stars. And if that's hard to comprehend, think about the distances of these heavenly bodies from each other. If we could travel as fast as light travels, a mind-boggling 186,000 miles a second. And if you're curious, that's 6 trillion miles a year. 
It would take us over four years to reach the nearest star. How immense is God's universe. In this psalm, David proclaims his sense of wonder with the universe as well. Every single day, the sun emerges from its nighttime slumber and sweeps triumphantly across the sky. It pours out its warmth on all of us, on every creature. Think about this. The heavenly bodies are great communicators. God's creation is declaring his magnificence to everyone everywhere and doing so without saying a word. What a wonderful picture creation gives us of God. Think of some words you could use to describe God by simply observing the creation. I'll give you five seconds. Think of some words you could use to describe God simply by observing his creation. Some words that come to mind to me are magnificent, dependable, intelligent, caring, creator. What terms could you add to that? The heavens and the earth reflect and communicate the truth about God because of what they are, not because of what they say. And here's the scary part. Our lives, our actions, reflect and communicate the truth of who we are. More than that, as Christians, we reflect and communicate information about God to others. What do our lives say about God? And how, then, should we live our lives? Fortunately, God gives us a roadmap, a path to follow, a way to live our lives to reflect his light. Listen again to the words of the psalmist. This starts verse 7, and this is our actual scripture for the day. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is a great reward. God's laws gave his people instructions and a structure for living and becoming his people. Think of some words David uses about God's laws. He calls them refreshing, trustworthy, Designed for everyone, complete, a source of blessing and joy, radiant, firm, and righteous, more valuable than the purest gold, sweeter than honey. Do you think David thought God's laws were tedious or a burden? Obviously not. God's laws provided the guidance he needed to live his life in a way that reflected and honored God as nature does. David realized some concerns, though. In verse 12, he begins, But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless 
innocent of great transgression. David knew that he strayed from the path, often without realizing it. And sometimes he knew he was breaking God's law, and he did it anyway. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, David sometimes failed to be a person who honored and reflected God. And he asked for God's forgiveness and help. Fast forward to today. How can Christians determine our roadmap today? How can we be sure that as a unique creation of God, we honor him? I often pray, I want to be the person you want me to be, God. Now, why? As a child, I think what I wanted was for God to be proud of me. But as an adult, I've realized that actually it's not about me. It's my responsibility to be the person that God wants me to be in order to reflect his character to others, to lead others into his light. The same laws that gave life and hope to David apply to us today. God gives us some in-person instructions and guidance for following these through Jesus. Jesus tells us he came to fulfill the law, and then he goes right to the heart of the law and opens it up to us in new ways. He shows us that the law is more than a set of rules to govern our conduct. We have to keep the laws in our thoughts and attitudes as well as in our external behaviors. We see this especially in the way Jesus unpacks the Sermon on the Mount. For example, A person can break the law against adultery, not just by the physical act, but also by having lustful thoughts and attitudes. In his words to the Pharisees, Jesus teaches us, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Matthew 22. Jesus also teaches that keeping the law revolves around justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Matthew 23. God's laws are to become part of our very being. Actions of love and mercy are central to our basic purpose as believers. If we profess to be Christians, then the way we live our lives, the things we do and say, Our attitudes reflect to others what we think is true about God. This can be a hindrance as well as a help. C.S. Lewis wrote that Psalm 19 is the greatest point in the Psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. I agree. This psalm makes me consider three questions. One, Do I want to continue to be awed and amazed by God, by his creation and his word? Well, I do. Like David, I want God to continue to speak to me through creation. That means I need to go out and be in his creation, among trees, looking at the night sky, and letting him speak to me as I watch and listen. Number two. Do I regularly take a sincere look at my life and do an honest appraisal? 
David actively and frequently looked for the errors in his way of living. I need to do that too. And I need to do it honestly, not just looking for the good things about my behaviors, but looking at ways that I might have failed to live up to the person I should be. Number three, do I focus on obeying God's laws through love, justice, and faithfulness? What does my life say to others that I focus on? Creation declares the glory of God. Does the way I live my life honor and reflect his glory? Psalm 19 ends with one of the most beautiful and powerful prayers in the whole Bible. If you memorize only one verse from the Psalms, this would be a good one. Verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Maybe you want to write this verse on a card and put it somewhere where you'll notice it every day. I do that, and it really helps me to stay focused. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Now, let us end by praying David's prayer in verse 14 together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Thank you.